Heavenly Father, thank you again for this part of your word. Thank you that you speak to us, you teach us, you instruct us. This morning as we see uh, once again the remarkable truth that you have adopted us as your children, we ask please that we would not take for granted the privileges that you have given us, but instead as we see them again this morning, we would love them, we would live them, we would speak them, and we would do all of this to the praise of your glorious grace. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to begin this morning with a little game. We've got to spot the odd one out. I'm going to put up a group of people, some pictures. These are all one family. And I want you to spot which is the one that doesn't belong. I've just found a random photo and put it in there. So here you go. Here is the group of people. This is that They're all one family. And you need to have a guess at which one is not a member of the family. So if you, if you kind of, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, three to ten, you know, you, you pick one, which one do you think? Is it number one? Is it number two? Number three? Number nine? Okay, we've got a nine in there. Have a guess. Now I'll tell you which one it is, okay? There's, there's, there's no real prizes. Uh, this one, number six. Doesn't belong. Random photo I found on the internet. She's not part of that family. Now all the rest of them are. They're all cousins. In fact, they're all Edwina's cousins. You can see her there, bottom, middle. That's my wife. Now, the family does have other cousins. It's not some kind of genetically freaked out family that only produces girls, right? I just thought I'd, I'd, I'd just show you this for the sake of comparison. Uh, by the way, bottom left, Jessica got married yesterday. It's very exciting. That's why Edwina's not here this morning. But they are all members of one family. They're all cousins. Now, you're thinking, well, hang on. Uh, there's, there's an elephant in the room, right? I mean, there's, there's kind of... There's, there's one person that stands out in that group, David. Um, really? She's, she's a, a cousin too? Well, yes. Yes, that's Alex. Uh, th- those three are sisters. They belong to the same uh, branch, if you like, of the family. Alex has the same privileges as her sisters. She has access to the same resources. She calls the same man father or dad. When she's in trouble, she will go to her father and know that he is for her. When she rejoices, he will celebrate with her. She truly is a member of the family. Now, you might not have done genetics at uni. Like me, you might have even failed biology at school. But, David, there's kind of something... Well, yes, Alex is adopted. She was a little baby in Bolivia when her parents adopted her. And yet, even though she is adopted, she truly is a member of the family. She shares the same name. In fact, her name literally is written in stone. There's there's a stone table that has the names of the family engraved into it. And Alex is on it. Now, as we come to today's passage out of Ephesians 1, verses 5 and 6 is where we are today. 5 and 6. We come to talk about adoption and extraordinarily the adoption of God. Let me read it again. Just those verses. In love, Ephesians 1 verse 5, He, God, predestined us to be adopted as His sons. Chosen to be part of His family. And what is it to be adopted by God? What does it look like to be a member of God's family? What sort of privileges does it bring? 
It is essential that we know, that we understand the privileges of being in God's family such that we might live it out. For see, in verse 6, this is what happens as a result of God's adoption. It is to the praise of his glorious grace. We need to keep them in mind. It's very easy to take things for granted. Do you ever find yourself kind of all of a sudden sort of waking up and going, oh, I've really been taking this thing for granted? Especially if we've had it for a very long time. I mean, if it's something that we've known and it's, always, it's kind of always there, we just take it for granted. But we can do it very quickly as well. We were on holidays recently uh, in, in a place called Loriton, kind of mid-north coast, Camden Haven. Anyone know Loriton? If you haven't been there, you need to. It's an absolutely stunning, beautiful place. Um, has Ben turned that off, Chris? Just leave it running, mate. I'll control it. Uh, I've got a photo for you just to show you. We were on holidays there recently. The photo really doesn't do it justice, right? There's a river and mountains and sunset and the colours were beautiful and you can see the little splash there. That was one of the pod of dolphins that was swimming up past us. I'm just really bad at taking photos. And, uh, and there we were with the family, this glorious, spectacular moment. And I looked down and Sophia, the eldest, the one in the orange jacket there, was playing with rocks. It, it, splendour before her. And she thought, well, I saw it yesterday. I'll see it tomorrow. Dolphins, big whoop. I'll see them again too. But rocks, I might find a new one. I might find one I can take home and play. And just totally taking for granted the thing that was before her. We are in severe danger of taking for granted the privileges of being adopted as God's sons. Now, especially I think this is the case if you're a second generation Christian. If you're like me, don't remember a day where you knew God as your father, Jesus as your brother, we are in real danger of taking it for granted. We mustn't do that. So this morning, I want to bring before your eyes again the privileges of being adopted as God's sons. That we might live, that we might speak to the praise of his glorious grace, his generous gift that he has given us. However, before we speak of the new family that we are members of, We need to remember the old family that we left behind. The family that God adopted us out of. For it is only as we see the darkness, the blackness, the desperate life that we lived that we will truly appreciate the privileges we now have. So let's turn to John chapter 8. In fact, the first Bible reading that we heard, John chapter 8, if you've got a pew Bible, uh, it's page 1038. Let me show you four characteristics of our old family. John chapter 8, beginning at verse 31. Jesus is speaking to a group of Jews and he says to them, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And their reaction is, what do you mean set us free? We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been slaves of anyone. Just conveniently forgetting Egypt and the whole slavery thing, but let's, let's not go there. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say, in fact, don't forget about the Romans who are currently occupying it. Don't worry about it. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? And here we see the first characteristic of our old family. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. 
It's not a very pleasant description of a family. You are a slave within that family. That's an empirical reality in our lives, isn't it? We can, we can look back and we see the life lived of doing that which we didn't want to do and yet at the same time delighting in doing that which we didn't want to do. Slaves to our sinful nature, caught up, no freedom, no ability to deny that nature. No ability as a slave has to free ourselves. We were slaves And so, as Jesus continues, the second characteristic, a slave has no permanent place in the family. What a horrible picture. To be a member of a family where you are treated, where you are a slave. The old school where the servants were downstairs and the family upstairs, to be relegated to the downstairs. In, in some ways, to be open to, what is it, child trafficking? I mean, it was Joe's description of adoption, was you spend money to get a kid. I mean, <laughs> we know what he meant, right? But it kind of came out wrong. Anyway, no place in the family. Do you know Harry Potter? Has anyone read the book, seen the movie? Hands up if you have. Let's see if this is going to work. Uh, okay, not enough. Let's run with Cinderella. Does anyone, everyone know the story of Cinderella? Does anyone not know the story of Cinderella? If you don't, go look it up. It's great for your kids. If you don't have kids, you'll enjoy it a little bit. Uh, Cinderella, right? She's sort of a member of the family. She's an orphan, but she's in with her aunts and her cousins. And yet, what is her life? It's the life of a slave. Cinderella, do my washing. Cinderella, fix my things. Mop the floors, cook the food. The one time that there's an opportunity for something good to happen, we're going to the ball, everyone's invited, let's go. Ah, no, not for you, Cinderella, you've got too many chores to do. You need to stay here and work. There's no place in the family for you. And Cinderella, thankfully, has talking animals for friends and they kind of come to help her do the chores, but the family says, ah, no, sorry, here's more chores, you can't come. And it takes a magical fairy godmother for Cinderella to be able to make it. That was our plight. Slaves to sin, no place in the family. But it gets worse. See, who was our father in that family? Jump down to verse 41. The Jews protesting, they say, the only father we have is God himself. All right, okay, fine, fine. You want to say all this bad stuff, let's play our trump card. God is our father. And Jesus says to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, now I'm here. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar. And the father of lies. What a picture of humanity. Not just slaves to sin. Slaves to sin under the sonship of Satan. It's stark. It's not particularly nice. Now for some, you might want to say, well hang on, isn't isn't God the father of everybody? Isn't that kind of what God is? He's a universal father? Now, we could certainly say that God is the creator of everybody. That is true. 
And yet here we see that by nature, our father is the devil himself. And as he is a liar, so his children are liars. And in that state, all we would do is lie to ourselves. We couldn't accept the truth. Jesus says in verse 47, he who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you don't hear is that you don't belong to God. To be a child of Satan is to not be able to accept the truth. Is it a black enough picture for you yet of the family that we were in? Slaves to sin, no place in the family, children of Satan. But you know what? It's, it was even worse than that. Come back to Ephesians with me. We're going to stay in Ephesians now. Page 1134, 1133. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2 just to show you the way Paul presents our old family. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. They're not just orphans, not just waifs, not just strays to be rounded up, but such were the consequences of the family we were in that we were dead. And notice the description of who we followed. When you followed the ways of this world, he continues, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Jesus said it, Paul said it. We used to follow Satan. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. We weren't neutral towards God. We were the children of his enemy and so destined for his judgment. Madonna, uh, just for a slight change of topic. Madonna. In 2006, Madonna adopted a little baby boy from an orphanage in Malawi. Anyone remember his name? No one? I mean, I had to look it up, right? I should have remembered. His name's David, right? Easy for me to remember. David Banda, he was adopted in 2006 at the age of one. His mother had died in childbirth, so his father placed him in an orphanage at the age of just seven weeks. Madonna adopted him out of really horrendous circumstances and brought him into a life of privilege and wealth in her family. I want to read for you a little bit of what it's like, what life is like in Malawi for these orphans. Listen to this. There are numerous threats that orphans face every day. Poverty, the direct and indirect effects of AIDS, lack of proper nourishment, no access to healthcare, lack of resources to stay in school or inability to attend school due to household demands. An estimated 770,000 children in Malawi are orphaned due to AIDS. At least a third are living with HIV. That's 180,000 children. Most orphans don't receive the benefit of adult supervision and guidance. 
Many have to fend for themselves or work manile jobs to earn a meal for the day. A nutritious meal is a luxury for most orphans. Nearly 50% of children under five years of age have stunted development. More than six out of ten children are estimated to be anemic. Only 6% of orphans receive educational support. Almost 30% of poor children fail to start primary school, which is free in Malawi. Seven out of ten child deaths are due to preventable causes. Malaria, diarrhoea, pneumonia, anemia, malnutrition, neonatal causes. Only 6% of orphans receive any type of medical support. Life for David Banda was pretty bleak. His situation was grim. His opportunities limited. And yet, and yet, his life as an orphan in Malawi was better off than the picture the Bible paints of us in our old family. We need to see the blackness of where we were that we might appreciate the extraordinary privileges of being adopted by God. And what are they? What is it that God has done for us as he, by his pleasure, by his will, by his choice, gave us when he adopted us? When God, because he wanted to, took guilty slaves and made them his. Well, as we had four characteristics of the old family, let me show you four privileges of our new one. See, we were slaves to sin. What were Jesus' words? If you are truly my disciple, the truth, it will set you free. As the adopted children of God, we are freed from slavery to sin. And we're not just freed from something, we are freed for something. We are freed from slavery to sin for love and service. You can read Galatians 4 and 5. It has that same idea of slavery to freedom and the freedom is for one of love. It's not a freedom to go back to the bondage of the old ways. Can you imagine David, David Banda? I mean, it'll take a few more years. Or I think he's, what is he, 2006 to 2015, 9 or so. Give him another 10 years. He's 18 or 19. He has all the wealth of Madonna's family behind him. Can you imagine him choosing to go back to Malawi, renouncing his wealth and living as a street urchin? Well, of course not. That's ludicrous. We have been freed from slavery to the new way of life, not to return back to that slavery. Not to gratify any longer the cravings of our sinful nature. Now you might say, well, hang on, David. Didn't Jesus say that if you sin, you're a slave to sin? I still sin. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I, I assume you still do. I don't think you're, you've reached perfection yet. If you have, I'd love to meet you. Um, you're probably dead, but that's okay. That's another story. So what's going on there? Well, I take it that the difference is between the slave who must do and the one who is free, who can choose not to. We are no longer in bondage under sin. We no longer gratify the cravings of the sinful nature, but we wrestle against them. The nature is still there. It won't be gone until we receive new bodies at the resurrection. But in the meantime, the very fact that we want to 
stop sinning is the work of our Father. We are set free from slavery to sin in order to love and serve. And so we now have in this family the place of sons. What an extraordinary thing. All the privileges, all the benefits that come from being a son in this family are given to us. God is for us. The son can approach his father. Have you ever, have you, have you ever known anybody who has a really famous father? I, I don't know if you have or not. One of my friends, uh, her dad is now the governor. He was before that, chief of the defence force and a few other big things like so. She calls him dad. Everyone else says, sir, your excellency. Your, you know, when he was in the army, it was all kind of this sort of business. And, and she says, what are you wearing that for? Right? She has the access to come before him and speak to him in a way that is extraordinary. We have the place of children in this family. When the time comes to go to the ball, we're not left doing chores. We get to dress up in finery and go. So we are freed from slavery. We have the place of sons. And of course, if our father was Satan in the old family, our father is now God. In 1 John we read, See what love God has for us. See what love the Father has for us that we would be called children of God. Our Father is love. Our Father is no longer a murderer from the beginning and a liar and the father of lies. Our Father is the one who loves, the one in whom all truth is found. Now, it may be that you've had a bad experience of fatherhood. It's possible that your dad actually was a scumbag that you don't want another father because you know how bad they can be. Notice just in these short verses the picture of who God is, what a father he is. What has he done for us? He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. He has freely given us this grace in Jesus. And I don't want to steal too much of next week's Sunday because I've got to preach that as well. I would save it for then. But verse 7, what happens in Jesus? We have redemption through his blood. God is so for us, so loves us, that he would send his son, his beloved son, to die in our place, to face that wrath. In, in one sense, Joe wasn't all that wrong. There is an extreme cost to adoption. And the son, he was willing to follow his father. What his father said, he did. That's the family that we've joined. That's the father that we have. That is the brother who has opened his arms to us, welcomed us into his family. So, you know, you realise that that means that we are brothers and sisters to each other. Have you ever looked around the room and thought that of the people here? In Christ, we are brothers and sisters. With all that that entails, love, forgiveness, care, compassion. Oh, maybe we'll fight, okay. That's what brothers do. 
but we're still brothers. And so the consequences under our old family was death, damnation and wrath. Under our new family, we are with Jesus, fellow heirs. The glory that will be Jesus, that will belong to him, will be ours. The inheritance that the God of the universe has in store for his only beloved son will be ours. What a family to join. How could it not result in the praise of God's glorious grace? Remember where we began? We began in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. How could we not praise him? Having taken us out of that family and placed us into his own. Have you been taking it for granted? Have you been taking the privilege that is to be adopted into God's family for granted? You just, yeah, God will be there. Dad will be there. If I wrap the car around the pole, he'll come and bail me out. He'll buy me a new car. If a breakup happens, I'll go and cry and he'll, you know, he'll be there. And if I run out of money, he'll feed me. You just you take him for granted. When things go bad, he'll be there. I don't have to live to please him. Who cares? It's dad, right? Have you been taking him for granted? Have you been tempted to go back to the old ways? To go back to your old family of slavery, of bondage, of wrath and death? ignoring the extraordinary, generous gift of God. I think it's especially hard, as I say, for people who got adopted as babies, if I can put it that way. For those of us who don't remember a day in which God wasn't our father and Jesus our brother, who look back and go, well, ah, yeah, you know, it's always been there. The privilege of wealth, I've always had it. In some ways, and kind of twistedly, I think some of us often look at those who've had a a kind of a miraculous conversion story, right? I was really bad, Jesus saved me and now I've been changed. We almost look on that with envy. Do you think David Banda would have preferred to stay in Malawi for another 18 years before Madonna adopted him? Of course not. There's an extraordinary gift of God. We mustn't take it for granted. And it's my prayer that as we meditate on this, as we imbibe, as we live out the privilege of being God's sons, it will result in our lives to the praise of God's glory. And it will result in the lives of those around us too. Let's pray. that we might come before you, Lord God, and address you as Father is extraordinary. That we might come before you and know that as a father with his children, you want to listen and you want to give good gifts is unthinkable. 
And yet, Father, in your beloved Son, Jesus, that is what you have done. Thank you. Thank you for taking us out of that old family where we were stuck, where we were lost, where we were perishing. Thank you that by your will and good pleasure, you paid the price and you made us your own. Father, your generosity is incomparable. May we not take it for granted. May we not reject and spur that which you spurn that which you have done for us. May we live. May we speak. May we rejoice in the privileges of being your son. Amen.